One of the things that, uh, <clears throat> if you're going to be a gardener, it really helps a lot if you have good soil, right? I mean, you need to have the right seed. You need to uh, break up the ground. You need to plant the seed. You need to water it. And you need to do all those things. And, you know, it's interesting. Iowa's kind of one of these interesting places in the Midwest is, too, where we don't have to have, especially this spring, right? You don't have to have sprinklers or something on our fields, right? If you fly over the west, have you ever noticed where you have those circular patterns? You say, what is that? That's the watering. <laughs> they actually have a thing that waters the field and it goes around. That's why they're round because they don't have enough water. We have plenty. We have more than enough, don't we? Um, that being said, you have to have enough water, but you have to have like good soil. And some people with really good soil can grow crops who, you know, I mean, they, it's because the soil is so good, the crop grows up. And that's kind of where Jesus is going to go this week. And he's going to talk about soil, but he's going to talk about four different kinds of soil. Now, some of you already know what I'm talking about. You've, you already know the story. You know that Jesus is going to talk about the, the parable of the soils, and you've heard it. And it's now it's time to check out. And yeah, okay, is there anything new here? You know, don't do that because I'm going to be talking to you shortly. And I've warned you. I've warned you up front, all right? So let's jump into this passage. Let's read the Word of God right now. This is Mark chapter 4. And I'm going to start reading it at verse 1. Um, again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd gathered around him was so large that he got into the boat. And he sat in it on the lake while all the other people were along the shore of the waters, at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables in his, uh, in his, in his teaching said, Listen, <clears throat> a farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he scattered the seed, some along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still others fell, seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. So that's the end of the parable. <clears throat> and then it says this, Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seen but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Uh, I'll talk a minute about, in a minute about that portion. So then Jesus goes on and he's going to explain the parable to his disciples because they don't understand. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? And it, it almost seems like Jesus is saying this is parables 101. This is pretty basic stuff, guys. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like the seed sown in rocky places, hear the word 
and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like the seed sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So just a couple notes on this passage. Jesus tells the parable, and then he basically says, this is why I tell him parables so people don't understand. And this goes back to Isaiah 6, I think, where uh, God says, well, who will go for us? Who can we send? After he's seen the glory of the Lord. And Isaiah says, here I am, send me. And, and God says, well, I'm going to send you to people, my people, and they're not going to hear, and they're not going to see, and they're not going to understand your whole ministry. They're just not going to get it. And essentially, I think that's kind of what Jesus is saying here. There's this whole bunch of people that are going to hear his words, but they're not going to hear his words. That's why he says, he who has ears, let him hear. Now, a couple things about this. Uh, first, about the Gospels. One of the things you have to understand about the Gospels is don't think of the Gospels as the writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, you know, giving chronological, blow-by-blow, day-by-day, week-by-week, month-by-month. They're not doing that. They're taking the teachings. And it was, understand this too, this was an oral society. In other words, they spoke, they told stories, they recited things. They had, they used their memory much more than we do today. They didn't write it down. They didn't have a scribe there copying things down. Jesus would tell these stories over and over and over in different times in different places. What Mark is telling us here, and as you read through Mark 4, what you see him doing is he's taking some of the stories that Jesus told and he's putting them together for a purpose. There's an order that he's putting them in. But he's telling the stories, he's recounting the stories Jesus told. It's very common in an oral culture. About, scholars believe about 10% of people actually read and could read and write. They were not illiterate. By our standard they were, but they weren't illiterate. Their literacy was different. They learned orally. And it was just a different culture. And we come from a culture that says if you can't read and write, you're illiterate. In that day, no one could read or write. It wasn't what they did. You know, I mean, we take books and printing and all that for granted. They didn't have books. They didn't have printing. They didn't have any of that. They had an oral tradition. And so when the writers are putting these stories down, like Mark, he may be taking a story that happened later on and he's bringing it early in the Gospel. It's not important to them. Mark wants to communicate truth to his readers, to us. And so he's put it in a format, we call it a Gospel. Don't think history, think gospel literature that he's putting it together. John, in his gospel, says these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ. So John says, I'm putting these in an order so that you'll believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the coming one. And that by believing you might have life in his name. So John is essentially saying, I put these in an order. I've got these signs that we go through. Mark is doing the same thing, but he's doing it different. He's on a different corner of the street looking at the the same event. 
So you just need to understand a couple of things like that. Uh, because it says, and Jesus again went by, well, we haven't seen this in Mark. This is new in Mark. Well, his point is, Jesus did this all the time. He told stories. In fact, John or Mark says at some point, Jesus didn't even address a crowd until, unless he told these stories. This was always something he did. He always told these stories over and over and over. So let's, uh, let's talk about this one story, this one parable that Jesus told. There's one sower, there's one type of seed, and there's four soils. Let's look at the four soils. The first soil was too hard. The seed was sown on a wall. Probably what's going on here is, you know when you, if you have a garden, and if it's a bigger garden, and you have to, you have a path to go through the garden, and you walk on it, and you don't put plants there because you walk on it. You have to get around. And so it was very common in that day that you would have walking paths, and if you're sowing seed, you're taking it out, you're just throwing the seed, uh, some of those seeds are going to bounce and they're going to land on that path. Well, they're not going to go into the soil. It's too hard. It's packed down. It's not going to happen. So essentially what he's saying is birds will come quickly and it will, before it can even go into the soil, it's, it's, it's taken by the birds. Now, it's likely that what Jesus is referring to, and the, one of the dangers of parables is that you try to make every point fit somebody or something. And I don't want to really do that, but I think that there is a cert- certain parallels that you can look at. You just don't want to hold on to them too tightly. So uh, the soil probably represents the religious leader's faith. The words of Jesus just kind of bounced off. They didn't care. You know, he was like Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. They, they heard words, but they didn't hear anything. They didn't care. They heard what they wanted to hear, and what they were listening, the filter they were using was... Say something, Jesus, that we can use against you so that we can crucify you. All right, so that's the, 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 the hard soil. The shallow soil, the second soil was too shallow. So the seed would, would go into the ground. It would be good soil, but it wasn't deep enough. And it would spring up quickly, but the problem was that it wasn't deep enough. It wouldn't go deep enough. So the idea isn't that it's rocky soil. It's not rocky soil. It's like it's got like a thin layer of soil, and then it's just kind of got this slab, this rock, this impenetrable uh formation that this the seed can only it's only this deep which is fine if the plant stays little but when it grows up and the roots have to go down there's nowhere to go there's no moisture for it to grab there's there's no depth that it can that, that it can get so when the sun comes when when it beats down the plant is doomed and the plant dies now this soil probably represents the crowds that follow jesus they were like jesus do a miracle jesus you know multiply bread Jesus cast out a demon Jesus do this and heal somebody and so they were kind of like we want to see the show we want to watch your miracles we want to be there and say I was there when he raised that that kid I was there when he cast that demon out I was there when the pigs ran into the water we're going to be talking about that in, in a couple of weeks um so so you know I was there I saw it so they're kind of the crowd they're kind of wanting to find the, the, they want to be there. But here's the thing. They were happy as long as he was doing miracles. But when he started to call them out, 
when he started to say, listen, this is what faith in me means, they kind of walked away. Then you have the conflicted soil. And that's um, the soil that it had good depth, but it also had competition. It, it had, it, it, the seed would grow up, but would also would be the thorns. And the thorns would choke it out. Now, the third soil probably represented people like his family. Did you know that Jesus had a family? Not only did he have brothers and sisters and a mother, and a fa- you know, Joseph was his father, kind of a stepfather, but we don't know when Joseph's father passed. We, don't, we only see him mentioned at the birth, and we don't see him you know, at the temple. But then we don't hear of him anymore, so we don't know how old he was. Jesus would have been 12, 13-ish, somewhere around there. Uh, so we don't know where, and Jesus right now, as he's teaching, is probably in late 20s, early 30s, somewhere around there. But his brothers and sisters uh, think he's absolutely bonkers. They think he's crazy. Uh, if you look at uh, Mark 3, 31 through 35, you can, you can pick that up. So they're, they're concerned because what's going on here is Jesus is putting himself out there and he's saying things that are embarrassing to the family. He's making claims that they're not sure that he can keep. Um, so this third group, they, they, they want to believe, um, but Jesus is quickly saying things that are not conforming with society. He's saying things that are out there. They're, they, they, by any scope of the imagination, are outlandish. And so they're concerned about it, to say the least. The last soil is the good soil, and it's this, where the seed is sown, and it produces a rich crop. And I don't think we should make too much detail into how many, you know, no matter what seed you sow, generally speaking, uh, you're going to get a multiplication. I mean, it's not like you sow one and you get one. You know, generally you get a multiplication. So I don't think there's really, that's the significant part of the parable. What Jesus is saying here, though, he says, I'm going to teach in parables, and uh, this is where we're going to get into the application. And this is what I think Jesus wants to say to us this weekend. So whether you're listening right now, whether you're at the Roshet campus, or the Kennedy campus, or online, this is what, where the rubber meets the road. This is where the seed meets the soil. This is what we have to catch Because I believe this is what Jesus wants us to hear this weekend. There's three questions that Jesus wants us to ask ourselves. And uh, if you have a bulletin, uh, you can see the questions there. And and they're very basic ones, but they're very, hopefully, thoughtful. The first question is, what type of soil are you right now? Jesus says, if anyone has ears, let them hear. Well, I think everyone in this room, now I haven't checked everyone, I didn't do an ear check when you came in, but my guess is that every one of us has our ears. Now, I didn't ask whether they worked, you know, because some of us have lost some hearing. But that being said, he says you can have ears, but you cannot hear. And some wives are thinking right now, yeah, I'm married to a guy like that who doesn't listen. He hears, but he doesn't listen, right? And I think that's what Jesus is saying, is if you have ears, don't just hear, listen, hear what I'm saying. Um, have you, and so this is, this is where we're going. So have you ever been trying to share your faith with somebody? 
Maybe it's a family member, a friend, co-worker, a neighbor, a school a friend. And you, you're very excited about maybe a sermon or a book that you read or you uh, really just want to share and you maybe give them a book or you, 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 you give them a link to a sermon and then you ask them to, you know, you talk about it later on and you say, what do you think of the book? What do you think of the sermon? What? And they're like, I don't, I don't know, it was alright, I guess. Or they never even get around to reading it or they never get around to watching it. And you go, well, what's going on here? Why, why is their response flat? Why are they so uninterested about this? Have you ever wondered about that? Well, what Jesus is saying is some people have hard soil. And the, the New Testament uses a phrase and they say some people are spiritually blind. They can't see. Jesus is going to heal a man who's born blind. And, and what it's very interesting what he does. He's, he's healing a man who's physically blind. But what Jesus is doing there, as Mark in his gospel puts it, and, and what he's saying is, the man is physically blind, but there's a whole bunch of spiritually blind people around me, including my own disciples. They're not seeing this. They're not getting this. They're not understanding this. They're spiritually not picking this up so he's saying that there are people that no matter what you do no matter how well you share and how well you prepare no matter how much you 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 put your effort into it they're going to be like a a seed that goes on a hard path and they're just not going to get it he's saying that some people won't ever get the gospel now, here's what we tend to do. And I've heard people say this. Sometimes they catch themselves and they say, but, you know. But here, here, here. So we are really good taking the Word of God or taking a sermon or taking a book and we say, that would be great for them. I have a friend who needs to hear this right now. I have a friend who needs to read that book. I have a friend. I wish, and, and they have their binoculars, right? And, and they see someone out there that would really benefit from this. Not them, but somebody else. Have you ever done that? Have you ever pulled up those holy binoculars and, and had a name or a names of people that this would be just what they need? I don't need it. They need it. But James says something very interesting. James says the Word of God is like a mirror. Now, mirrors are different than binoculars. When I look in the mirror, I see things I don't really want to see. Right? The mirror reveals things about you. Sometimes it's a good thing. There have been times I've looked in the mirror in the last week and I said, oh, I should wear a hat. Because my hair is doing stuff that I'm working or doing something on the house or something. And my hair is like a madman. It looked like it just walked out of a nuclear lab or I don't know what nuclear scientists look like but I look crazy and so I put a hat on so I look less crazy you know and that's what a mirror will do a mirror will just it won't say to you but it will point out the fact that you look crazy right now right the word of God James says is like a mirror it shows your heart is crazy and you need to look at it 
James says, and take a deep look. Take, it's almost like James is saying the same thing that Jesus is saying. He who has ears, let him hear. James is saying, he who has eyes, let him see. Here's your test. I told you I was going to give you a test. In the last 15 minutes or so, have you checked out? Oh, I heard this before. Oh, yeah, okay. Do you know what you're doing at that moment? You're showing the kind of soil that you are at that moment. See, we wanted to make the soil. This is about the Gospel. Go- and it is. It's about the Gospel going out to the world and some will not hear and others will hear and, and, and only one really hears. But it's more than that. It's about our own heart right now. I mean, we can, you, can, you can test your heart right now, right? You can check your pulse right now and see what, how many beats you have and whether that's high or low. In the same way, spiritually speaking, Jesus says your heart can be hard soil right now. Right now. At any moment, we're showing our soil. The thing about soil is you've got to maintain it. And sometimes we don't even know it's getting hard. It takes a couple of days or weeks or months. And the next thing you know, our heart heart somehow got hard. And I don't know how that happened, but it happened. And so I'm no longer allowing the Word of God to penetrate into my heart, my soil. That's the first thing. The second thing is, what type of soil are you becoming? You see, as soil can get hard, it can also get plowed up. It can get tilled. It can get watered. It can get weeded. You know, if you have a decent garden, you have to till it, break up the hard ground. You need to water it. You need to weed it. You need to maintain it, right? Soil needs to be maintained. Your heart needs to be maintained. And and that's where... Because sometimes we think that we just... You've done this, right? You, You... there were times where I tried to plant a garden a couple of times and then we went away for a week or two. And it was like it came back and it was like a jungle. It's like, what happened here? This is all messed up. It was all perfect when I left. And, and you know, you, you, you realize that things, the, you have to maintain this. You can't just let it go. The same is true for your heart. Your heart can become hard. Good soil can become hard soil. We can allow our hearts to become so hard that the Word of God will never get in. We become immune to it. And that's the, that's why we get the warning. So we get a number of warnings in Scripture. This one will be up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 3. This is what the writer of Hebrews is saying, I think. He says, so as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear His voice... Do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the times of uh, testing in the wilderness where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray and they have not known my way. So I declared an oath in my anger. They shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. So this is really important. What, 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 what the writer of Hebrews is saying is what happened to the people of Israel uh, when they were brought out of Egypt? 
They were performing miracles. Every day they had manna. That was a daily miracle where they had to go out and get manna. And you know what? After about two weeks, three weeks, a month, you know, after a period of time, they go, we hate this manna. It's awful. Hey, it's keeping you alive. We don't like the water. It's keeping you... And so their hearts are becoming hard. They had miracles performed right before their eyes. And they still couldn't see. Their hearts became hard. In the same way, our hearts are in danger of becoming hard. Here's how this happens. We struggle with sin. Listen, we all, every, there's not a person in this room that doesn't struggle with sin. We may struggle with different sins. But we all struggle with sins. Maybe pride, maybe anger, maybe sexual, maybe uh, uh, greed. It could be a whole bunch of things. But we all struggle with sin. But then we, here's how our heart gets hard. We begin not just to struggle with sin, but we begin to justify our sin. We begin to make excuses for us. We begin to say, well, I know I shouldn't, but. And then we set up camp in sin. You see the process? The process is you struggle with it, you justify it, you make excuses for it. Next thing you know, you're camping there. Uh, In the middle of your, um, your bulletin this weekend, if I could find it. Had it here somewhere. Anyway, in the middle of it, it talks about Psalm 1. The first two verses are very interesting because it talks about a, pro- a, a, a process. A person sees, a person stops and looks. Next thing you know, the person's sitting down <laughs> with sinners, right? And, and, and that's kind of what happens. And I, as a pastor, have talked to people and you know, oftentimes, one of the roles of a pastor is you're sitting now with a Christian and you're trying to share with them from the Word of God uh, something that's going on in their lives that they're, you know, they may or may not be aware of. And sometimes you sit down and you say, well, this is what the Word of God says. And what you're doing right now or how you're living right now or what's going on in your life right now is in direct conflict with the Word of God. And I'll have one or two responses. Here's the responses I'll generally get from people. Number one, people will say, well, I think I need to go home and think about this. And I go, okay. The other response is, and usually this is the response where somebody already knows kind of what they're doing is wrong, but they're going to continue to do it. And they'll say something, they'll throw this phrase out, but God has given me a peace about it. And I always want to say out loud in a really mean way but I can't that ain't God that ain't God I don't know what voice you're hearing but it ain't God the other thing is when somebody says well I just need to go think about it it's almost as though the person is saying I know that God's word says this but I don't really want to do it so I'm not going to do it You can move to a place where your hardened heart, you harden your heart and you justify your sinful behavior. But when you do this, what you are doing is God has given you a certain amount of light. He shared with you his righteousness, 
his desire for your life. And you can either obey him and move forward with him, or you can justify your behavior, camp in sin, and at that moment you walk away from, and God will take the light that he's already given you away. We'll talk more about that in, in next weekend. You see, it's one thing to struggle with sin, because we all do that. It's another thing to justify sin in the camp there. This parable also points out the danger of false confidence. Sometimes people do this. They say, well, I know that I shouldn't do it, but it's not a big sin, it's a little sin, and I think... God will forgive me if I confess it. And Paul basically talks about that in Romans where he says, should we sin that grace may abound? In other words, Paul's saying, so you think that because God has given you grace and mercy that it's given you a license to sin, that you can just go ahead and say, you know, it's the whole thing of I won't ask for permission, I'll just ask for forgiveness and God's going to give it to you. Will you go in with that attitude, you are trampling on the cross the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on your behalf when you do that. The question is, are you justifying bad behavior, your words or your deeds? Are you really good at pointing it out in others? But you excuse the same behavior in your own life. We call that a hypocrite. (laughs) And here's a hypocrite right here talking to you. Psalm psalmist says this in Psalm 119, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light to my path. And if you're not listening to the word of God, you're not hearing it, you're in danger. You see, soil doesn't stay the same. The, the, when you plant seeds, it doesn't, it doesn't maintain itself. It has to be maintained. So you're either moving forward in the growth cycle or you're moving backwards. You don't stay neutral. You don't. We think we do, but we don't. Here's the last point. What type of soil will you become when life gets hard? What type of soil will you become when life gets hard? Because that's really one of the tests. One of the tests is not what, what, what are you like when life is good. What happens when life isn't good? The shallow soil represents people who may Somebody has used the phrase, they give a nod to God, right? Hey, God, <laughs> you know, it's, I went forward at a, at, a, at, a, at a crusade. I prayed a prayer at a church. I did this. I, I had this moment, this experience with God. And I had this emotional experience with God. But they have no deep roots. There's no depth uh, to this shallow kind of faith. And it's an emotional faith. It, it, it flares up for a period of time, but then it quickly fades away. And you, you know people like this in your life, don't you? They prayed to receive Christ. They went forward. They were at this concert. They were at this, this, this rally or maybe even in a church service. And they, 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 there was this, this change that they, they flared up. And then next thing you know, where are they now? What happened to them? The mantra for the nod to God people is this. God is good when life is good. God is good when life is good. But when life's not good, I'm gone. 
What happens when life isn't good, when life isn't fair, when life seems hopeless? Now, one of the really important things that we haven't, pastors, I guess, haven't done a good job communicating to people is we haven't communicated to people that Jesus didn't say you wouldn't have troubles. In fact, he said exactly the opposite. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, tribulation, problems, issues. Your car won't start. Your bank account will go, you know. All these these things will happen. What he did promise, though, that he would walk with us as we go through these troubles. Jesus said, in the world, you'll have tribulation. But he also said, as you go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will be with you. Now, this is a warning for all of us. Because if you haven't experienced trouble recently or uh, yet, you will. You will. And the warning for us in this parable is dig your roots deep now, today. Prepare for those dark days because they are coming. And that's why Peter warns his readers, and he says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. So you see what Peter's saying? He's saying you're in the midst of this fiery ordeal, this trial, this problem. Don't be surprised by it. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. What is Peter saying? Peter is saying, get ready for trouble and trials. Don't be surprised by them. They're coming. It's part of this life. Now, I don't know where you're at spiritually this weekend. It's interesting, Jesus didn't come as a hammer. He didn't come as fire. He didn't come as a sword. In fact, when Peter pulled the sword out in the garden, Jesus put it away. That's not why I came. He came as a seed. He didn't come in strength. He came in weakness. Even his own family thought he was nuts. His disciples deserted him in his time of great need. Remember, he was in the garden. And he says, hey, would you guys just pray with me, pray for me while I go over here and pray? And what do they do? They fell asleep. One of the things we know about seeds is they release their power when they're planted in the soil and die. The seed must die before the plant can grow. Right? And Jesus says this very prophetic passage in John chapter 12 about himself. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel, think seed, of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seed. What Jesus is saying there is there is a point where I am going to be the seed for for mankind and I am going to give my life so that others might live. The parable of the soil shows us that Jesus was willing to be rejected by everyone around him, even including his own family. He chose to be rejected to die so that we could be accepted and live. We are sinners under the wrath of a holy God. Jesus died in our place, taking the wrath we deserved and giving us his life. We receive forgiveness and eternal life when we call upon Jesus Christ to be our Savior 
to take away our sins and to take the wrath that we rightly deserve. Jesus was the one, the seed that was planted and gave himself so that we could live. So I don't know where you're at and I don't know what kind of soil you are right now. But every time you interact with the Word of God, every time you hear a sermon, every time God is speaking to you, you are showing the kind of soil you are. Yes, there are times we need to put the binoculars on and say, I need to look outside of my own life to others around me because we have a message that will transform lives. So we, we need to do that. But there is also a, a time on a more regular basis probably where we need to look into the mirror of the Word of God and say, God, what do you want to say to my heart today? Is there, is there br- uh, ground that needs to follow ground that needs to be broken up? It needs to be tilled. It needs to be just busted apart. You know... Uh, One of the things as a pastor you have to understand is that there's a process in the life of each and every one of us. It says in Scripture that some break up the ground, some plant the seeds, some water the seeds, and some even harvest. But it's God who gives the increase. God is working sovereignly through the whole process. He's working in your life right now. And if the Spirit of God has brought something to your heart right now, do something about it. Move towards God, not away. Don't delay. Don't put it off. Don't justify it. Don't camp there. Deal with it. When you do that, you'll find your heart will begin to get soft. It will begin to break up. It will begin to change. It will begin to hear what Jesus wants you to hear. Stand with me and let's pray. Father, thank you for bringing us together. Uh, Thank you for your word. Thank you for the encouragement we get from your word. And Father, I would ask that we would be good soil. I pray that if there's anyone here uh, in this room or at the the Rosha campus or the Kennedy campus or online, as they've heard the word of God, that they would assess the soil that they are and that they would understand that uh, you are doing a work in our lives. And if we hear him speaking to us, Father, may we respond. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.